Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I am your host, Cody Waits, sitting across the podcasting table in our laundry room (laughs) with (laughs) Kathy Waite. Hey, everybody. We got high tech set up here in the laundry room. Hey, there. I think the acoustics work pretty well. Yeah, and as long as no one takes a shower. If someone takes a shower, we're We're screwed. host. (laughs) Yeah, we are sitting, we share a table with our daughter, Noelle, for her art, So it's and she's a messy pants, so we always have to, like, clear the piles away. It's... You know, and I find myself picking paint off the table while we're sitting here talking. Right, right. Well, we do what you can do, right? We do what we can do. <laughs> uh, so welcome back. We're into episode 41 of the podcast, season one. Um, and today's topic, we want to talk about training in the heat. Because mm-hmm. it's summertime and it's definitely hot it's here definitely in Denver. definitely hot, yep. Um, and before we get to that, we'll go through where we are in our season salvation plan. Because we're mm-hmm. starting the second block second of three blocks so we have some aerobic threshold training coming up so i wanted to kind of go through that for those that are following that plan um and then we'll talk more about like training in the heat and um i just wrote down some some, just some things some benefits some challenges of training in the heat and then helpful tips and some stories we'll tell of uh how we've tried to manage with the heat over the years successes and failures right (laughs) (laughs) right um so what have what have we been up to? What does this week look like for you, Cody? Uh, for me, I mean, it was recovery week. Week four of season salvation was coming off of the three big kind of building volume weeks, aerobic volume. Now it's a recovery week, and um, so yeah, I mean, I took two or three days off. I think two. I took two days off. Did like a light spin. Did a couple easy strength training sessions. Um, and yeah, started kind of getting back, getting my legs back this weekend with some longer rides. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, I definitely took a couple of days off, and then it was just some easy hour long spins that I sometimes I'd even fit them in there, like for errands. Like I dropped the dogs off at the groomers, took my bike with me, rode over to the Highlands, got a coffee at Novo Coffee, and yeah. spun back to get the dogs. And yeah, that's it worked. Perfect. Oh my gosh, sorry. It's a- <laughs> Our dogs are scratching at the door. They always want to be a part of the podcast recording. Come on, Sunny, come in here. Um, but yeah, I I found um, the time off the bike this week to be good. I we had trained so much, we had ridden our bike a lot in our RV trip, so it was nice to have a like a change of pace. Um, I don't know if I recovered super well because I also played hours of pickleball. <laughs> you did, quite yeah, a bit. I know my feet are sore, <laughs> but it was. Oh, I just couldn't control myself. We had been gone, and I hadn't gotten to play. And I know I can't sustain that while we're training hard. So it's, it was sort of like my one shot to to play a lot. And then I, I yeah. So <laughs> it's the balance, right? To do some other fun things, but also recover for bike training. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that in last week's episode, episode forty, about recovery weeks, and some of that is catching up on things you've put off or haven't been able to do when you're right. training heavily and. You know, I mean, there, there's a bit of a trade-off there. I would say if you were training for, like, World Cups or the Olympics, like, you take your recovery weeks perhaps even more seriously and truly rest and recover. But for those of us, you and me, that are doing this for fun... Well, and the fact that Nationals got canceled. Like, and the fact, If we sure. were going to race August 25th or whatever that day was, I would not be doing this. But if there's... Like a little bit more leeway, I feel like in my life, knowing that we may not even race this year. Sure, yeah. And I, what I was saying is, like those doing of us doing for fun, like we'll make some sacrifices on 
our real life mm -hmm. during the big volume week so we can get those in and then we can't afford to make continue to make big sacrifices on our real life in recovery week so we can then sort of quote sacrifice some of our recovery for making up things right. we put off so it's all a matter of balance yeah, I even got you to come play with me one night, and we taught some of the the Wee Debo writers how to play. That was yeah, really fun, and I think now they, they know it. why it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia said she's addicted now. Right. So I'll have to hold her back. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's definitely hot, 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 so I've been trying to get up early, too, to get my rides in. Mm -hmm. And even this morning, it wasn't. I got out the door by 7.30, and I wasn't quite early enough. It was a yeah, warm one. Yeah, it's been super hot, which spurred the idea of let's talk about yeah. training, dealing with the heat and training and whatnot. Um, and then also we've been doing a lot of planning for 2021 season um, because it does seem like, unfortunately, like you said earlier, nationals, mountain bike nationals and road bike nationals for masters for everybody, I believe, is off the table right. for this year. Um, and, you know, it's starting to look more and more like maybe most, if not all races are going to be off the table. I mean, there are a couple of local ones sprouting up here and there, small ones, but I think it's we're coming to that realization as we're getting closer to August that, mm -hmm. you know, races may not be happening. So it's definitely like a tough pill to swallow. And as a coach, trying to manage a group, a team of riders has been a big challenge, you know, because everyone goes to different places mentally of like, right, why, why right. are we doing this then? Or why can't we do this instead? Or, you know, should we? Like, yeah, it's like, why? What's going on? And you know, I, I was telling everyone on our We Devo team that, you know, even the training we do in the moment, even though we're thinking very short term for like the next event that's coming up, you have to realize that endurance sports training is a multi-year project of finding your fitness. I mean, really, I think you got to give it at least 10 years of training to truly get close to what your individual potential is. And so this is just another one of those years that they can add to their list of training. And, you know, many of them, they've only been training, you know, real. With re structure. With structure, right. That's yeah. the way to say it. For maybe one or two, you know. One maybe or, three years. Maybe three years at the most. So this is an important, like, second, third, or fourth year of their building right. up to 10 years of training to become, you know, working towards the professional ranks. and. You know, even though we're, we can't race and show off our improvements, you know, to others, but also to ourselves, that yes, I am improving. We're still, you just have to know you are improving and you're, it's like another layer that you're going to then build upon next year. On my bike ride this morning, I was with my buddy, our buddy, uh, Darren Ray, mm -hmm. and he said, um, he's been noticing a lot of people he follows on Instagram saying things like, oh, I'm going out for a training ride for a season that probably won't happen. Mm -hmm. And he said his thought was, um, you know, it's never a bad time to be in shape. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I love that, Darren. I'm going to say that in the podcast today. Yeah. I said, I'll give you a shout-out. He said, good, because I'm going to put it on my Instagram, and I don't nice. want you to people to think I copied you. Okay, <laughs> so this is the shout-out to Darren. It's never a bad time to, to be in shape. Right. Because don't you feel better when you're in shape? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, mean, I know I get, yeah. I feel bad, I get cranky. Like if, I, if I'm if i not physically active and if I'm not training. Um, yeah, so that is a very good point that Darren brought up. Never yeah. a bad time. You always want to be in some form of shape. Right. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep plugging along. And that's, keep plugging along. I mean, our season salvation plan here and our plans with our WeDevo team, you know, has taken us up through August. 
and maybe some things will happen in September, but most likely not. I'm kind of coming to those conclusions. So we will plan then an earlier kind of end of the season in September and um, get some solid rest and kind of then start rebuilding in October for for the next year, for 2021. So, um, so along those lines, we've been busy this week planning things out uh, for both 2021 Base Builder Program, which we're working hard on some some new exciting things for next year taking a that online remote platform much much larger and much better Um, so stay tuned for that and then um, with our redevelopment program we're also expanding that right right and it's we we've kept track of some kids who have sent emails in over the course of the year and it was too late for them to actually get on the team but it was really fun to get the interest from some of the other writers from Colorado and from the country. Yeah, around the country. Actually, even from New Zealand. So that kid, yeah, that we did kid <laughs> sent us an email. So, um, yeah, we're, we're planning and plotting and going to put some things together. So we'll let everybody know yeah. how it's unfolding. Yeah, so if you're a 14 to 22-year-old listening to this or you're the mom or dad of a 14 to 22-year-old that really wants to take their cycling to the next level with coaching and being a part of the WeDevo program, stay tuned because we are expanding. We're going to have a couple different tiers tiers of the team um and it's going to be open for nationally like from riders around the country too not just the denver area so um so lots more to come on that and we'll we'll keep you posted and um if you haven't subscribed to our email newsletter yet do that too because we do a once every one or two weeks we send out an email newsletter how do they subscribe um I'll put a link in the show notes, okay. and they can always also just email us um, and ask to be added. I think there's actually a sign-up on our website as well, like the <laughs> okay. bottom of I our... I notice that. If you scroll down to the bottom of our like homepage, there's yeah. like a subscribe, you add your email. And okay, that's probably the best way. Sign up that way, so um, get on that if you want to stay up to date on things like that. Um, but yeah, that's about what we've been busy week, really. I mean, not as much training, but a lot of other Yeah, work. just getting caught up in getting life. caught and... up in things, yeah. Blah, 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 that stuff. Right. Um, okay, so we start week five on Monday. Yes. I'm very excited about, I love this block probably the best. Oh, do you? Okay. I do, aerobic threshold. And I was actually thinking about one of the kids in our team, Alex Campbell. I think he's going to like this better than our last block. Like he the, likes the structure. I think he like really that. thrives in the structure. And I mean, I, I do too. He's not the only one. Like, yeah. Just to say go right hours and hours, that's not really honestly what I'm good at and I don't think like he loves it either so Mm -hmm. I think this is a good time to transition to a little bit more structure yeah that's a great point I mean everyone has different preferences and personalities um and even myself I mean I love just doing long rides but even that last week of even when we were out in beautiful new locations on our road trip putting in Mm -hmm. our miles I was like in the back of my mind thinking like I'm looking forward to going back to highway 40 and you know (laughs) doing like the structured work because Mm -hmm. Again, it's like this layering process. We did this something very similar several months ago now in like March, April um, with this aerobic threshold kind of training block. And it'll be interesting to compare improvements um, and then also how heat affects it because the first time through in April when we did this, Mm, it was actually quite nice. It was cool. At times we wore like warmer clothes and things. Now it's going to be hot and that has a effect on your heart rate and your right. power and we'll talk about that later but yeah i remember zipping up our vests on the way 
down Highway 40 to turn around and come back up, and there'll be no vest wearing at all no, no. this time. <laughs> it's going to be a little different, but yeah, so I, hopefully people will be ready to welcome back some structure and right. to the plan, um, which will be good. So I thought we'd just run through, so those listening to the show here that are have subscribed and gotten on to our Season Salvation Plan, this will be very specific to them, but even if you're not following our specific plan, we'll just talk through kind of the concept of aerobic threshold training um, and how you can kind of integrate it. Yeah, yourself. people can throw it in on their own for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Before we do that, I had a little note here in my notes um, on a correction. I misspoke in our last episode. I said something to the tune of we're not doing, in this plan, um, we're not doing testing until the end of this next block okay. so like the start of the third block um, and that is incorrect there is a test option this weekend or the, the weekend before starting the second block mm. in the training plan um, and it's it's really going to come down to who needs to test and when so if you're going through this plan for the first time and haven't done a test and you're training with power um, it really only matters if you're training with power. If you're training solely by heart rate or RPE, you can just not worry about the test. If you're training with power and you want to have power targets in mind for this block, um, you could do the test that's on there um, and move forward. So I just kind of misspoke. So I wanted to clarify that. You and I and, well, a couple of our WeDevo riders, because they just got power meters, are doing their testing actually today as we're doing this Well, well maybe. It's so hot. Maybe. But they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't leave till 1 o'clock today, and it's almost 100 degrees. Right. So actually... They might put it off. They might put it off. Okay. Because that, that'll go into our conversation in a few minutes, but it right. doesn't make sense. They're going to yeah. suck. Right. It's just too hot. Right. So, uh, but a few of them will do that. You and I and the others on the team... We'll wait till starting after this block because we have an idea of where our right. power is and what to target and stuff. So I just wanted to clean that up before we start talking. And if you're not sure on the testing protocol, um, listen to episode 12 of our podcast where we went in detail on our testing protocol and philosophy um, that's included with our season salvation plan. Um, so that's episode 12. All right, let's... Um, Kind of go through this. I don't want to just beat a dead horse because we have, if you've listened to our show um, in the past, we have discussed aerobic threshold training in, multiple times. Way back in our base builder um, plan, this was probably like episode in the early teens, I think, um, when we were doing aerobic threshold training on the trainer in the base builder program. And then we talked about it um, even more... Um, Episode 31. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Episode, episode 31 and 33? 31 and 33, where we were talking about our aerobic threshold booster plan. Ah, uh, right. Um, so we went into a lot of that, but I just wanted to run through, in case you haven't listened to our past episodes. Yeah, just give um, a quick overview, so even the terminology makes sense. Yeah, so your aerobic threshold um, is basically the metabolic balance point between fat and carbohydrate metabolism. So to put it in a simple picture... It's where you're going to an effort level, power level of burning about 50% carbohydrates, 50% fat for fuel. Okay, so okay. this, so when we're below this, more like aerobic training, we're building, we're, we're burning more fat, less carbohydrates. The slower you go, the more fat, the less carbohydrates. As you ramp up the pace or the power, that 
um, balance shifts to more carbohydrates and the aerobic threshold in theory is where you're kind of on that tipping point that threshold okay. of 50 50 fats and carbs um, so the idea behind this is that training in around this level um, really maximizes power output okay while also maximizing fat for fuel so it's building both endurance and also muscular endurance um, at the same time, particularly if you do these on, on climbs. Um, so it's just a great energy system to train because it's it's a very high fitness gain per minute of training. So this is why we're, we're big fans of it in our base builder program mm-hmm. when we're doing a lot of workouts indoors or in limited daylight hours. You can, you know, in 90 minutes or less, you can get a really good workout Um you know, spending a lot of minutes in this aerobic threshold level. Um, <clears throat> also, a lot of racing, especially endurance racing, um, spends a lot of time in this energy system. You know, it's sub-threshold, sub-anaerobic threshold, so sub-FTP power. So it's something you can, in theory, sustain for many minutes and even a couple hours, potentially, if you were to do it as, like, one long right, right. Um, time trial. Mm-hmm. But over the course of a multi-hour race, you'll spend a large percentage of your time in this power zone, in between harder efforts and easier efforts. So, um, and then if you can improve your power output through greater fat metabolism, you're in theory improving your endurance as well. You know, sparing glycogen, relying more on fat for fuel. You can go further. You can go faster. Uh, you have more carbs at the end of a towards the end of a race when you really need it, when you're going above your anaerobic threshold. Right, right. And times like that. So there's a lot of just great benefits to it, and we're a big yeah. proponent of this style of training. It's definitely the kind of workout where I, when I get home, I go, wow, that was, like, solid. Yeah. It was, like, a good bang for my buck. Yeah. I mean, I just feel really good about the work, and I am definitely tired, but you may not be quite as trash as, like, a, like a VO2 max interval. Right, session. yeah, definitely not, yeah. yeah. But it's just so good. Like, you're like, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can do two, three, even four of these workouts per week. Um, right. In fact, in, in our season salvation plan, we have three per week, based more or less every other day, mm, doing one of these types of um, targeting that energy system. Because it is easy. It's hard enough to elicit a good response of uh, in terms of a training stimulus. But it's easy enough that you can recover from it, you know, within, you know, 24 hours right. and... and you know, or maybe slightly beyond that, but ready to go two days later mm-hmm. um, to do it again. Um, and then also just to touch on um, aerobic threshold versus sweet spot. So sweet spot training is very popular. much talked about. It's popular. Um, they're similar, but not quite the same. Um, sweet spot, depending on who you talk to, is somewhere around 84% and I think 93 or 94% of your FTP okay. power. So sweet spot generally trains by a percentage of your power output okay um where aerobic threshold training i prefer to train and target heart rate um but that heart rate will equate to for most people somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of ftp depending so on just how a fit. little bit lower 80 percent is the lower end 80 to 90 versus, versus like 80 84 to, to 94 okay. so yeah it's just a tad well, I mean, if Less. you have a huge FTP, that's actually a significant 
it's still quite a bit of work. Right. And so those overlapping parts, you're getting a lot of the same, if not the same, benefits of quote-unquote sweet spot training. So, But with sweet spot training, your heart rate might be higher than you would think is um, maybe like the wisest way to proceed with it. Right, because, and this is very apropos to our topic today, training in the heat, where heat affects your heart rate significantly and you have to actually go slower, do less power in the heat because your heart rate gets higher. Um, and, and if you were to ignore your heart rate, you're just going to add more stress to more your body. More stress, exactly, okay. exactly. So we prefer to train the aerobic threshold by heart rate, so targeting 75 to 80% of your maximum heart rate for mm -hmm. the duration of the intervals. Let the power be what it is. If you're feeling good or it's not overly hot and the, the intervals are on the shorter end, like I said, the power output will likely be kind of around 85% of FTP plus or minus, which happens to be kind of the bottom end of a sweet spot zone. Um, and sweet spot, there's nothing wrong with sweet spot training, but in my opinion, sometimes it gets to be a little bit too hard and it pushes a little too close to like anaerobic threshold training and just it's a little more stressful than I would want personally as a coach gotcha. for our athletes. So similar, but not quite the same. So what about RPE? If someone doesn't really have these metrics to use, um, what does that look like for people? Yeah, so that's a good question. So RPE is actually dependent heavily on how fit the rider is. Okay. So RPE, rating of perceived exertion, so it's kind of, it's a very important metric, I think, for someone to learn how to interpret and be in tune with. Um, it can be a little difficult for newer athletes because they don't have the experience, but um, if you have an idea, you know, the scale of like one to 10, generally speaking, less aerobically fit riders that 75 to 80% of max heart rate will usually get them around an RP of six, give or take. The more aerobically fit you are, the harder or higher this RPE becomes for these intervals because you're doing more power at the same 75 to 80% of max heart rate. Right. So the more fit you are, the more challenging these actually are, and the more unfit you are or out of shape you are, the less... Um, well, the less power you can put out, therefore you're pedaling slower. Right, right. So, it doesn't take much yeah. to get your heart rate up. Exactly. The less fit you are. So just kind of you know a slight incline might get you right up in that 75 to 80% range where a very fit rider has to kind of push themselves to get above 75%. And I even found myself the last time we did this in April, um, noticing a difference in the RPE at the beginning of the aerobic threshold block and at the end. I mean, number mm -hmm. one, we were doing like longer intervals, but also I was getting more fit. And so then I had to push myself and like really focus to maintain that power and maintain the heart rate where it's supposed to be. Right, right. It was interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So RPE can vary. So it's between six and seven, depending on also how long or short the interval is, which you just kind of mentioned. You know, the, the shorter intervals, RPE can be much easier. But if you're doing, you know, if it's like a five to 10 minute long interval, but if you're doing like 30 or 40 minute long one, that RPE yeah. might gradually rise over the course of the inter interval but so around six to seven so it's kind of just above a moderate type of effort um and we talked about power and we talked about heart rate so uh, but the main thing is train by heart rate 75 to 80 percent of your max is what you want to target and then just see what the power is 
and and the RPE should kind of line up in that six to seven range, mm-hmm. and see what that power is. And there's going to be a definite difference if you did these in April, at least here in Colorado when it was like fifty degrees, sixty degrees back then, and now it's eighty, ninety, pushing a hundred degrees. You're gonna probably see a little less power actually because it's so much hotter. Probably, although someone maybe is in such better shape now that it could be about the same. That it is depends. true. A lot of variables. I mean, you're thinking about yourself, and you're kind of always in really good shape, and so for you, you might see lower. Right. Um, we'll see. But someone else, you know, might go, "Oh, actually, I'm ten watts more because I worked really hard since April." Yeah, yeah. And if that's the case, you're ten watts more with more heat. It's pretty awesome. So you're actually probably, you know, you're actually more, even more improved. So yeah, that's that is great. Well, I, I you know, I did these religiously with Sophia, our daughter, uh, in April, and it was the one workout I could quote beat her in. Okay. But there's no way I am now. Like she's she's in such amazing shape now. It, it's it's actually gonna be fun to see. Yeah. Um, not really fun for me that I'm gonna be behind her now instead of in front of her. But <laughs> it'll be cool. Right. Yeah, it'll be f- interesting to see for sure. Um, and then one last little bit before. So those following our season salvation plan, or really if you're just trying to set these intervals up for yourself, um, a good way to do it is think about. Um, th- the interval durations and the amount of minutes of this aerobic threshold training you're going to be doing. So in our season salvation plan, the first week it has intervals of four times 10 minutes at this 75 to 80% of max heart rate. Um, Done, I usually tell people to do these as hill repeats if possible, if you have a hill that long. Um, They can also be done on the trainer very effectively too. So if you don't have hills or you want to avoid extreme heat, do them inside on your trainer um, and do that. And then the second week, the intervals grow to uh, three times 15 minutes and then um, three times 20 minutes in the third week. So all three workouts in the week are the same, but this can be adjusted up or down based on the individual because we talked about this before when we set out and started the season salvation plan is I created just kind of one average uh, volume prescription and then people could adjust the volume up and down, but volume includes how many hours a week you're riding, but also how many minutes of like intervals you're doing mm-hmm. too. So um, beginning with somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes worth of this aerobic threshold training to begin with. So four times 10 minutes, that's 40 minutes of work. Um, in that first week, but you could, if that seems like too much or just feels like too much, you could back it down to um, three times 10 minutes to get 30 minutes in that first workout. And then maybe the second workout, try to do the four times 10 minutes. And if that went well, maybe try five times 10 minutes by the Saturday workout. Um, You can also decrease the interval duration too. So if a 10 minute one, if you're kind of new to this or, you know. Or maybe the hill you have dictates it. Maybe you have an eight minute hill. Right, right. And you can um, lower, shorten the intervals to start. So you could start with as short as like a five-minute interval. Right. Um, in fact, I think that's what I have prescribed for us. Um, the very first workout, we're going to do eight times five minutes. So we'll get our same 40 minutes worth of work, but we're just going to ease into it with shorter five-minute intervals. Then the, the Thursday on the plan, we'll do the four times 10. So we'll still get 40 minutes worth of work that'll just be longer intervals. And then by Saturday, we'll see if we add a fifth 10-minute one or kind of what we do at that point or, or repeat the 4 by 10 again. So all that said, just, you know, you can adjust this if you're following our plan or if you're setting up kind of a plan for yourself. 
Interval durations should start kind of five to 10 minutes in length, 30 to 40 minutes total time, Mm -hmm. and then build up from there over the three weeks of the training. So the last week, um, you're maybe accumulating, you know, hour and a half to maybe even two hours worth, depending on how fit you are and how much time you have available. So you can kind of build it up from a half an hour's worth in the first workout and the three weeks later, you know, close to two hours worth maybe in the last one, which is, that's the super challenging side of it. But, um, and the interval durations can go from five to 10 minutes to start and you can build up to, you know, 30 to 40 minute long ones. Um, I know last spring, my, the last one I did, I think I did four times 45 minute ones. How in the world did you find a 45 minute hill? Uh, I had to do, if you did, um, highway 40 from the very bottom, like, Almost by apex entrance? Even below that. Oh, okay. And then you can fit, like go all the way to the top. There was just enough room. And then I think I did one going up like Squap Pass out of Evergreen. I forget where I did the last one. But it's it's doable. But it, it yeah, not everyone has that uninterrupted climb. Yeah, if someone's <laughs> listening from Florida, they definitely don't have that. Right. And if you don't have climbs, like I said, you can do um, trainer and kind of simulate a climb. Or you can do these outside. Um at a little bigger gear, a little lower gear on, on a flat terrain or into a headwind perhaps or something like that, you know. That bigger gear, lower cadence as if you were climbing um, on on the flats adds a little bit of like a muscular endurance level to it. Right. So, um, so that's an option. Yeah, and if, if, if anyone has questions about aerobic thresholds in general, aerobic threshold intervals in general, they can certainly send an email to Cody at Cody at teamweight.com. He's happy to answer your questions and we, he, we might even read them on, on our next podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So let's dig into yeah, the, I think that was good for that. The let's, second topic, um, which into is heat training. Yeah. Training in the heat. Um, so this is a great topic. I did, I spent a good portion of this week kind of reading a lot of articles and, um, studies and things on this. It's, it's actually a very popular topic right now. Um, in the sense that they're finding scientists are finding that heat training has very similar benefits to altitude training. I mean, everyone's familiar with the idea of going to train like an altitude camp and oh, how that'll make you so much better. (laughs) Um, and there are some benefits to it, but they're kind of discovering the heat training is every bit, if not more beneficial than altitude training, like the effects you get to it. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all our friends in phoenix if you're used to riding in 100 plus degrees and you get used to it i mean you're getting very similar if not the same benefits Mm. of training in the mountains of colorado so pretty interesting um so training in the heat i mean put simply training creates heat movement creates heat but when we're training we're riding our bike we're creating heat and this heat has to go away because our body wants to maintain a very specific core temperature within a very, very narrow range. And and that's called thermoregulation, that act of our body wanting to keep us in this tight range. So as we create heat, our body needs to get rid of or offload the heat. <clears throat> so in cold weather, it's not a big deal because the heat we're sort of offloading is being used to keep us warm. So if you've ever done a race or back in our running days like we could run with pretty minimal amounts of clothing 
in the winter. Oh, I'd often just wear um, shorts and compression socks. Exactly. Because I was hotter than heck. Right, because we're, we're generating that heat, but that heat is helping us by keeping us warm, and as long as we kept moving and kept the heat going. Um, <clears throat> but in hot weather, it creates a whole new challenge um, because it's harder t- for us to offload this heat when the air temperature we're in is the same or, or higher than what we're experiencing, right? So the actor, the, the mechanical thing that's happening as we get rid of this heat is done through like radiation or, or convection, which mm. is like we're letting this heat off. But when the air temperature is as hot or hotter, the convection aspect doesn't work very well. Right. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So what our body does to offset this or to work with this is we sweat more. Sweating is how we cool ourselves or, or get rid of the heat. Um, and also the the sweat as it's on our body, particularly if we're moving or if the wind's blowing, then has an evaporative cooling effect to also cool us down at the same time. So we can get rid of the heat through the sweat and then the sweat in turns uh, helps us get cooler. Mm-hmm. Unless it's super humid, in right. which case the sweat drips off of us and rather than evaporating. <laughs> so it's like an additional thing that thankfully we don't have to do. Well, I grew up in Indiana <laughs> and went to college in Florida. Okay. Back in those days, I was a runner and I got really used to humid and hot conditions. Mm-hmm. But I have learned as an adult, I lost some of that ability to regulate my core temperature yes. in those in that environment. Right. And that's a very great thing to mention because it, the training that your heat acclimatization, acclimatization is I the right word. I say that wrong. Yeah, acclimatization is very trainable and it actually comes fairly quickly within a one to two weeks, but it also goes away. So yeah, if you move, if you once we're in a hot and humid environment and got used to it, but then you move to a, a dry environment, then you lose that ability. Um, right. Well, here's my dumb story it. about it. So yeah. I, I grew up in Indiana. I'm, a, I'm running cross country. I'm, I'm training in the middle of the summer in 100 degree weather. I go to Florida. I was training for a half marathon and we go out and run at noon. Didn't think a thing about it. Right. It was fine. <clears throat> we didn't even carry water. We were so young and silly. Mm-hmm. Well, I had lived in Col- I've lived in Colorado since like 98. But in my mind, I was still amazing. In the heat. In the heat. Oh my gosh. So, uh, what year was it I raced in Maui for Xterra World Championships? I can't remember. Like 2000. Yeah. 14, 2014. Because that that was the year I was the age group national champ. Right. So, I went into the World Championship race in Maui thinking I was going to crush it. I was going to just be amazing. Um, And you had even said to me, like, a couple days before, like, hey, do you want to do that, like, ice thing where you put ice in. Penny hose, yeah. you put it around your neck when you run out of T2. And I'm like, no, no, I have this. Like, I am <laughs> so good at this. Uh, I was not so good at it. I completely, like, melted on the bike course. You know that bike course is yeah, so hot. You've so done hot. it a hundred times. And I remember feeling on the bike course that, like, literally I could, like, feel the heat coming off the top of my head. Like, I was a cartoon <laughs> character with flames coming out yeah. of my head. And I just got slower and slower and slower. And I was, like, losing places. I was seeing all my competitors from my age group fly by me. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I get into transition. I get my running shoes on, grab my visor, whatever. 
and you're out on the, the run course waiting for me. And you're seeing all the girls that I should be ahead of mm-hmm. run by. And you're like, hmm, this is strange. Yeah, I was moving backwards on the run oh, course. thing. Yeah, I would see, like... Yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I missed her. Maybe I missed her. And then I remember coming around the twisty turn on the run course, going up this long hill. And you said, oh, there you are. <laughs> and my heart just sank, like, I know. Yeah. I'm really sucking you're this race. I just couldn't. I, I just said falling apart. Yeah. And then I realized how stupid I was that I should have put the ice around my neck. I should have had some sort of ice thing to go with. And sure. I, in fact, was not heat adapted. And um, yeah, it was really an interesting experience for me that I'll never forget. And I always tell this silly story. But right, right. But it's yeah. You just basically lost. Oh, I thought. It goes I thought quickly. it was the same. Yeah. Like, why did I think after 15 years like it's still <laughs> 15 years is pretty extreme. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so it comes, it is trainable. You can improve in the heat and you, but what's interesting too is someone who's good in the hot, dry heat like you is not necessarily good in the hot, humid heat and vice versa. Cause there's two different right. things going on there, um, in terms of the evaporative cooling effect mm-hmm. and how much you're sweating and that sort of thing. Um, so they don't intermingle well. They don't um, correlate necessarily. Correlate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because we it's hot in it's hot as heck in Denver in the summer, but it's not humid. So right, and you grew up in oh my god, Sunny is making noises on my lap, snoring. Um, you grew up in Phoenix, so very very hot, way hotter than I grew up with, but very dry. Right. And how do you think you adapted to say racing in Maui um, for Xterras? Oh, in Maui, yeah, I always struggled in that race. Yeah. Um, one, it was a very competitive race, but also just the heat and humidity. Being in October, um, end of October, I mean, it's fall. Right, it, it had already cooled off here. Yeah, so yeah, it was very right. difficult to prepare for that. So you're going from, it usually would snow, oh, you know, in the weeks before we would leave. And so it was very difficult. And so I just always struggled. And, and I competed in that event nine or ten times and tried different strategies of adapting to it and trying to acclimatize to yeah, it. Yeah, you and, tried to go out early one yeah. year. Did that help at all? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but no. <laughs> so so you need more than a week to it. Yeah, I think I had 10 days, which wasn't quite enough. And then, you know, I probably did a little too much while I was there on top uh, of that. That's so. right. But um, do you think some people are just better at regulating their core temperature? Uh, I would think so. But, yeah. I mean, some people are better than other people at other things. So it seems like, um, right. it would depend, but it's, it really comes down to the exposure you give yourself, your acclimatization to it. Okay. Um, so anyway, let's get back on track. Benefits, um, of training. There are lots of benefits to training in the heat. Um, first and foremost is you get this increased rate of perspiration. You're training your body because essentially what you're trying to do when you're acclimatizing to heat is become a better sweater, become better at sweating. Um, And that does happen. Uh, Along with that, you get increased blood plasma volume, which I believe means you're carrying more water in your blood Mm. so you can then sweat more. Um, Reduced blood lactate accumulation and also increased muscular force production comes with as benefits of training in the heat. So all of those things actually relate very similarly to v- your VO2 max. Mm-hmm. So similar to VO2 max training, training in the heat, uh, which is why there's those ben- like why people are now discovering you want to at times train in the heat to actually improve your performance. 
um, all very interesting. Plus, um, as you train in the heat and you acclimatize to it, you actually lower your core temperature, like your normal um, core temperature, a small a small amount. I mean, I think it was like a degree or something like that um, from what I read. But what that does is it allows you, if you start out with a lower core temperature, it, it helps your body then to sweat sooner in your physical activities. Oh, so again, okay. becoming a better better at sweating. Better sweater, better sweater. Better sweater. <laughs> <laughs> so it allows you to sweat earlier in your workout and therefore um, stay cooler and that sort of thing. And then it also, training the heat, improves your range of temperature for positive athletic performances. So it actually makes you better at performing in the cold temperatures as well, which kind of doesn't make sense necessarily. But not only do you get better at, your performance is better in hot temperatures, but mm. it's actually better in lower temperatures because that comes along with those correlating like improvements in VO2 max and blood pl- plasma volume. Oh, I did not know that. that. So you okay. act, And again, that's why they're finding, oh, we need heat training has a place like in, in just improving your overall performance, which is all, I mean, pretty cool. Um, but obviously with training in the heat, there's a lot of challenges too. Right, so it's right. not like you can just train all you want in the heat and reap all the benefits and there's no side <laughs> effects or difficulties because there definitely are some of that um, for sure. So training in the heat definitely impacts the, the quality of your workout. So in terms of if you're trying to do intervals, for example, it's definitely going to impact that quality, meaning you're not going to be able to do as much effort, as much right. power, or maybe as much power for as many minutes or the combination of both. So you can't quite do as much work in the heat as you can in cooler temperatures. Um, the added stress that the heat imposes on your body, because your body wants to maintain that core temp, it wants to thermoregulate. When it's trying to do that as well as work out at higher intensities, it's like too much. It's an overload, essentially, of, of asking your body to, to do all of that at the same time. Well, haven't we both felt like exhausted this week from riding in the heat after having been in a cooler environment in the Pacific Yeah, Northwest. we were mostly in the cool environment, and then boom, it was like 90 degrees since we've been home. And um, and we weren't riding that much, but like, like yesterday morning, we both had like three-hour rides, maybe did four, and three, we were yeah. like trash the rest of the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's exactly it. Had to take exactly a little it. nap. Yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely added stress. And, right. And yeah, we felt it more than likely everyone else is feeling that like extra bit of fatigue where you're like oh i only did a two-hour ride why am i so tired well because the heat really took it out of you so um there's definitely more stress there um and then also along similar lines you know in order to sweat and cool ourselves so to cool ourselves we sweat um what's happening there is is your heart is pumping more blood out to your skin to allow you to sweat which is also why your face and other parts of your body become red, kind of flushed when you're hot, mm-hmm. like overheated, because you've got blood coming right up to your skin, mm. allowing you to sweat and cool off. Um, so like Noelle, our daughter Noelle, when she <laughs> runs, if it's above 80 degrees, she's like to me Above face. 70. Yeah. Well, do you remember when I came back um, to your dad's house? We, we went to visit him a couple months ago. Oh yeah, ago. in March or whatever, yeah. And... It was 100 degrees, and I thought it was a good idea to go ride. I forgot that it was hot. Yeah, you were red-faced. And I too. was tomato-faced the entire rest of the right, day, right. even after sitting in the pool for an hour. Yeah, because you overheated, and your body was trying to continue <laughs> like thermoregulate, so it was pushing all the blood to your skin, so yeah, you were red. 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Y'all knew I was in trouble when I walked in the backyard. Oh, right. mama's tomato face. <laughs> right, exactly. So th- that's the added stress. So your your heart then has to beat more because now it's mm-hmm. it's pumping blood to your skin, but you're also trying to work out, so your muscles need blood, oxygen. So the muscles aren't getting as much blood because it's being diverted up to your right. skin. Right, so your, be- your heart has to work harder, mm. beat faster okay. um, to do the same amount of work. So that's why we experience higher heart rates when it's hot out. Um, so you really can't do an aerobic um, test very well if it's 100 no. degrees. Yeah, aerobic yeah. tests, forget it. Yeah, yeah Just forget it. <laughs> Don't even try it. Um, and then, so along with all this sweating, um, it's easy to become dehydrated, right? The more you sweat, you know, you need water in your system to, to, to be able to sweat it out. And then along with the sweat loss, um, the fluid loss comes the sodium loss. Um, you know, you get that salt on you and the... Um, and all that can lead to when you, as you get dehydrated and lose sodium, it increases your core temperature. Your body has to work harder to thermoregulate. Um, and then you start getting, when that happens, you start getting into more serious situations of, you know, heat related illnesses like heat cramps and going more extreme to heat exhaustion and heat stroke, which you definitely want to avoid. So, right. um, you know, it can get pretty serious there if you are not drinking enough and consuming electrolytes or sodium with with it while you're working out so there's a lot more things to to balance and consider so there's a lot of benefits but there's also all these challenges to keep in mind too um so let's talk about some helpful tips um maybe things that we've uh experienced ourselves and also a couple (laughs) that i just kind of read about um i mean i'll go back to our our maui story so exterior world champs um in maui very hot very humid um and parts of that course are like in these like canyony areas with like no wind no wind. so you're just like you're getting baked it's the hottest environment i've ever been in to be yeah, honest it may the air temperature or, or like on your phone might say 85 degrees but yeah. it feels like 110 yeah at least and you're just you're not getting any evaporative cooling because the sweat is just pouring off of you um because it's so humid on top of that so um, yeah, I tried going out to, so climatizing, you can, in theory, train your body to get used to it. I tried going out to Maui for about 10 days before the race one, one year. Not so good. Um, I think maybe if I had gone a little bit more, I mean, it was getting better for sure, but, um, also tried one year, like going to Phoenix for two weeks before the race. So I, I got that the one. hot yeah. temperature, but not the humid. And so again, I think I said that earlier that doesn't always correlate or carry over. So when you add the humidity, I got really good or at least pretty good at working hard in the dry heat, but then wasn't as effective in the slightly lower but moist heat um, of, of Hawaii. So, um, And then I also have done um, what I found to be the most helpful was the sauna training. Yeah, I was hoping you'd bring that up. You'd go to the rec center and yeah. see the sauna for and a and there's bit. a lot of science around this emerging, and it's becoming kind of a popular thing to do. Oh my God, you were groundbreaking. Well, no, I I'm joking. read about it. I didn't <laughs> totally come up with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, some sauna time is proven to, rather than, so, so you kind of have two options. You can either train in the heat and just suck it up and get better at it. And, right. and maybe your workouts suffer a little bit, but you're improving in the heat, your performance. Or what they're finding is the best is train 
in the optimal time of the day or the optimal environment so you get the good workouts and then immediately after the training jump in the hot environment the sauna and get your sweat on for 20 to 40 minutes at a time over a couple of weeks before your big event and that can have very similar right gains it's not the most convenient for people most people don't have a sauna at the house right but it worked for you when you were at the rec center swimming laps I yeah think. we have a rec center in town that has a sauna yeah so i could swim or i could even like finish a bike ride over there oh, right. or Just run go and go inside and, and do that um and i think that it did help for sure i mean it didn't i didn't win the race but um you know <laughs> i think i struggled less i guess but you never ended up like totally heat exhausted like i did right should have gotten an yeah. iv after that's the race. a good point i was able i was able to recover relatively well after the race oh yeah in retrospect and, i look yeah. back at the one year i you raced there i definitely like should days. have gotten an iv or two because yeah. i had a i remember getting tacos afterwards and i was i had my head on the table sobbing while the tacos were being prepared because i was so hungry so tired my head hurt so badly yeah yeah you, it was, was sort brutal. of embarrassing i just <laughs> stop crying right right um all right so some helpful tips um the science is saying allow you know you can allow yourself to adapt through the heat training and acclimatization um what the way you want to do it is these short bouts of exposure to the heat at low to mid intensity so i think one of the better strategies is what i more or less what i just said is do your high quality, high intensity training in the best environment you have available, so you get the best work workout going. Then jump in a sauna or a heat, um, air you know environment. Hot, yeah, okay, hot area. Yeah. If you don't have that option, still do your good quality workouts optimally, and then your lower intensity, like more endurance rides or even your recovery rides, could be done mm, right. in the heat. So you're getting. Because you're going to ride slower You're going anyway. to ride slower anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the recovery rides, it depends. If you really need to recover, I wouldn't recommend that, but and just do your endurance rides, your aerobic rides. Um, but, yeah, so when you don't have to work so hard, that's when you can add the stress of the heat. Um, but try not to overload. Try, try not to double dip and do high intensity and heat overload because that sets you up for some trouble. Um, they're saying about five days of heat... Uh, exposure, uh, you adapt about 70% of the way, and it takes about two weeks to get sort of fully acclimatized to where you've made some really good benefits there. So, um, which is not too dissimilar to altitude training. I think they say, oh, right. yeah. you know, you want to go up at least two weeks, you know, three weeks is probably even better exposed to the altitude um, to adapt or acclimatize, I guess is the proper term. Um, so some other strategies, you know, if you if you don't have the option to acclimatize and you're just going to have to go train in the heat, um, <clears throat> pacing yourself is probably number one, meaning basically slow down. You right. can't go as fast, work as hard in heat as you can in cool temperatures, so you just have to accept that and slow down, uh, and your workouts will, will go better. And as you do those workouts, you will gradually acclimatize as well. Um, you know, if you don't slow down and you just go for it, you know, overheating in hot temperatures happens more quickly, obviously, and then it also takes much longer, if not impossible, to kind of recover from in terms of like later on in the workout. So it's hard. You can't really say, I'm just going to smash these intervals. You'll get overheated, essentially, take a break, and then continue your workout. Chances are you're not going to be able to 
you know, recover from that and you'll still be overheated right. the rest right. of your workout. So just slow down and uh, pace yourself and don't expect PRs, um, <laughs> essentially. Um, some other little tips too. Preloading uh, sodium and electrolytes is a great option um, improvement to work because you know you're going to be sweating a lot and you're going to be losing those electrolytes, so preload. Um, to go back to Xterra days when I was gearing up for my like two-hour long trail runs in the summer, um, I would always drink a bottle of EFS, which is like a high-concentrated electrolyte drink, okay. um, like right after my breakfast, so like oh, a half an hour okay. before running. Um, just to like saturate, saturate. I'm getting all that water and tons of sodium and electrolytes and it does work. And I still do that to this day for racing. Um, in the hour leading up to the race, I will drink a bottle of high electrolyte, um, solution to, to kind of prehydrate, preload, um, the electrolytes. And I, I'm a firm believer. Well, I am too. I've definitely been putting the, um, SIS electrolyte tablets in, one of my two water bottles yeah. on all my rides lately. Um, I've been putting their electrolyte, you know, pouches in my back pocket. I, I handed one to Sophia just now. She was leaving to ride. I'm like, girlfriend, you need this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't taste that bad either. And I know if I haven't gotten enough electrolytes, if I sweated tons and I, I didn't replenish, I the last, you know, what, five to minutes to an hour of a ride... If I'm in trouble, I start I start fantasizing about potato chips and <laughs> right. cokes and like just like salty. That's all I can think about is just salty treats. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely one way that will help you last a little bit longer right. in the heat for sure. Is preload and then like you said, um, yeah, the SIS Science and Sport makes an effervescent tablet. Noon, Noon they're yeah. kind of the the ones who came out with that first. I think those. I think there's a Costco brand too. It's yeah. Fizzies or something. Um, so it gets the sodium in your water without um, added sugars and stuff that you may or may not need or want. Um, so that's a good way to do it. And then also I'll add too, if you come back from a longer or just high sweating, depleting ride in the heat, it's important to replenish with the electrolytes too. So a good recovery drink will have that in there. But even after you've taken that, you know, dropping those kind of uh, – electrolyte tablets in your water throughout the rest of the day is not a bad idea either to replace that rather than drinking just straight up pure water because that can lead to um issues of you know getting not enough electrolytes right throwing that out of balance as well so um well one of the kids in our team even has to put just extra salt in his water that's been He's been sort of prescribed that way. Well, that's the low-cost way to do it, Yeah, well, he's been prescribed a pretty strict protocol from a dietician to prevent some... Like a pinch of salt. Yeah. Yeah, and you can definitely do that. Honestly, you don't even really notice it. Like, literal, like, pinch of salt gets you as much electrolytes as the fancy tablets at a, I mean, a minuscule amount of He even does it during the day. Like, he has to really Mm -hmm. load up. Yeah, and having sodium in your water helps the water itself get absorbed into your cells as well, so... um, it's important to have that in there. Um, other ideas, uh, oh, pre-cooling. So um, this is a very popular thing you see at the elite level, particularly, where athletes will be warming up with, like, ice vests. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been proven. It just helps keep your core temperature lower for longer before they start their event. Um, and then also, like, the umbrella guy at the start line. Oh, I line. love it. I love it. You see, like, like Brad Yolanda Neff. Copeland and, yeah, holds it for Kate Courtney. Kate Courtney. And, they're, yeah. they're so fancy. They're right. 
on their trainers and they have a special assistant holding their umbrella. Yeah. Up, even at the start line. Right. So, oh yeah. All the way so in the great. last minute until they kick them out of there. Just that extra little bit just helps delay that. I think it's fantastic. That core temperature rising. That's um, what I expect from you next time I race. I'll be your umbrella guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, things like uh, ice baths before working out. Um, apparently, I read about this. I have not done this before, but again, it's to like super lower, you know, like super yeah. compensate maybe, like pre lower your core temperature. Um, other things that I have heard about and experimented with is consuming icy beverages before a workout will actually help at least delay the onset of your mm-hmm. core temp rising. So well, Sophia a slushy, did that today. Well, I told um, her, yeah. Well, I told her too. That's oh. funny. She listened. Yeah, I mean yeah, like she was a, sipping an ice cold, um, like a, just ice water before she left the Oh, house. yeah. Ice water is good, but like an actual iced drink, oh. like like a slushy basically, or a frappuccino from Starbucks. Yeah, or we like, didn't have anything. Where like it's actually around. like ice that okay. you're drinking, essentially. That's fun. Um, will get in your system and delay the increase of the your body temperature. Um, so that's a, one strategy as well. And then the good old fashioned, like when you're riding, you know, pouring water yeah, on absolutely. your head or just all over your body, um, can help with that evaporative cooling. And it will keep, it'll sort of have you not have to sweat quite as much cause you're doing what the sweat, half of what the sweat is doing at least for you. So kind of extending things. Um, so that's, I, well, mean, I love that one. You just squeeze your water bottle into your, the, the slots of your helmet. Oh, yeah. It's just... Just watch I, I out if your salty sweater yeah, like, runs into so your true, eyes. Yeah, it's so true, but burns. it just feels so good on your... Cools your head down, yeah. which then makes you your entire body feel better. Right, right. In fact, when we were in Bend, Oregon, and uh, my buddy Mike took us on the ride around Mount Bachelor, it was like 90-something degrees Yeah, that was that the day. one hot place we were. Yeah, and we stopped on the far end of the route at Elk Lake, which is like the other side of Mount Bachelor, and you could get a Coke and whatnot. They had a hose faucet there, and we all like, like took our helmets oh, off and you? like soaked our heads <laughs> and basically soaked our entire body and everything. And yeah, Sophia came back from that ride with like salty butt. Yeah, we well, that was the first really hot yeah, it was, day, so yeah. we all so- sweated extensively. We sweated a lot. Um, so yeah, Obviously. just dumping water on you—it's always a a good strategy as well. So, um, but just be careful too. I mean, the bottom line is just. Be careful. Yeah, don't overdo it. Like if you, I mean, the the bad signs you want to watch out for is like if you actually start to feel like chilled, and it's super hot out. Yeah. That's you got to get out of there immediately. Um, because I mean you're starting to get into heat exhaustion right. and that sort of thing. Well, for me, a headache is the warning. It's coming on. Like that's what happened in Phoenix that mm-hmm. day, where I had gone Headaches, out an hour. Yeah. I turned around. I was like, oh crap. Yeah. And I had a headache the entire hour back to your dad's house, and by the time I got back there. I could, it was all I could do to spin 100 watts. Right. And had to jump right in the I pool. I think you had mild heat exhaustion that day. Yeah, it wasn't good. But, but like yeah. a headache is a warning, so headache, just be careful. Yeah, if you stop sweating, that's a major warning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, if you Get chilled. start getting chilled or like goosebumps, but it's 100 degrees out, then that's uh, not good. So, uh, so, yeah, do be careful. That's why if you're going to go hard, do it early in the day or inside. Um, and don't try to go hard or... Yeah, in the, in the heat. So right. be careful with that. So, um, all right, cool. Well, I th- hopefully these tips were, were helpful um, insight into training in the heat. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. So we're on to week five of our season salvation plan. It will all be in really good shape by September. And if there's races, we'll race. If there's not, we'll shut her down and 
recover. But um, if if you're hanging on to the hopes of like cyclocross season happening, anyone out there, um, you know, jump on our season salvation plan. And if you start now, you'll be in really good shape by October, which is when the heat of cross season may begin. So um, there's that option as well. Yep. So you'll have the links in the show notes. Yeah, I have all the links in and there. And there's a discount code that'll be in the show notes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And for those of you already on the the program, um, keep up the good work, stay hydrated and, um, the, the heat will break at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening. And any kind of rating or review is review is helpful and we do appreciate the support. Absolutely. All right. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.